Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. America faces a choice. This is Battleground America. Here's Tara Servatius. Welcome to the weekly Battleground America Insane Things podcast where we count down the most insane things that happened this week. Things we've never seen before, at least not in modern time. If this was your average political podcast, the most insane thing of the week would be the guy who ran on eradicating COVID. The guy, Joe Biden, who told us Trump was doing such a bad job, he literally murdered the people who had died of COVID. Yeah, that guy. You know the one. Joe Biden the one under whose watch the number of deaths has now far surpassed those on Trump's watch from COVID. That guy. Yep, bowing out and saying, oh, COVID? No, that's never been a federal issue. We can't take care of that federally. Are you kidding me? Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Yep, on most political podcasts, that'd be the most insane thing that happened this week. Unfortunately... It wasn't. No, the most insane thing is what's about to go down at your grocery store. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast or my radio show, this won't come as a surprise to you at all. But to the folks who get old news, dated news, you know, like the readers of the Wall Street Journal, where they're still living in liberal media-induced fantasy world, this was a shock. And it's going to be a shock to Americans who don't get real news like you do and don't get it early. The Wall Street Journal just reported up to a 20% increase in food prices. I'll let you process that for a minute if it's not old news to you. Now, anybody could have known this and warned Americans to prepare. Why? Because you can already see inflation in the supply chain four to five months before it hits the markets. The media has been studiously keeping this from you. For instance, shock ensued a few weeks ago when we learned that the producer price index had gone up 9%. That's a staggering level of inflation, and it represents where prices will be in about 90 days. It's what producers are paying. But then when you ask the question, okay, well, what if we go back a few more months in the supply chain, like four to five months back in the supply chain? In other words... Prices that won't hit till four to five months from now. Where will we be? If you listen to this podcast, you knew the answer weeks ago. 20% increase for many goods. That's because it's what people are paying right now at the manufacturing level for the parts they need to manufacture. I've been warning for months that grocery prices were going to be astronomical come early winter and spring. 
I knew this because the UK Daily Mail was reporting it about America. We were seeing grocery store chains do something we haven't seen in our lifetimes. Stock pile goods that last for a long time. They don't normally do this. This is the business my dad was in. It's called factoring. They take out a short-term loan, buy the thing from the producer, get it to the shelves. The whole goal is move it. You don't want to store it. You'll accrue costs, right? You don't want to buy a warehouse, pay people to maintain the warehouse. Well, they bought warehouses. The UK Daily Mail was reporting it. They bought warehouses. Grocery store chains did or rented the space and began storing food. Do you know how much that costs? Storing it for months. Why? Because they knew the prices that were coming were so high, it would be cheaper. And they could offer cheaper prices if they bought the, the, the food and the goods might be napkins or, um, you know, toilet paper or, uh, you know, why stuff like that. If they bought it and stored it, then if they paid the prices that were coming. So please allow your humble host to take a victory lap over this because I beat the Wall Street Journal to the punch. The sad thing is, it's not because I'm better than they are. Although I'd love to believe it. No, it's because they've been hiding this from you. They knew what telling the truth would do to the stock market, to all the markets, to their profits. So they kept it quiet. But they can't keep it quiet for much longer and maintain their credibility. So they're telling the truth now. The truth I told you weeks and months ago. We are headed for a wall, a tsunami of astronomical prices. Here's how the Wall Street Journal presents it. Kraft Heinz Company told retailer customers that it would raise prices across many of its products, including Jello pudding and Grey Poupon mustard, with some other items going up as much as 20%. 20%. Wow. Now understand this. This isn't 20% over what they were charging at this time. Last year which would be staggering. Now, the numbers are items to go up 5 to 20% from the current price right now. If there were an actual honest reporter in the Wall Street Journal newsroom and an honest editor to allow their honest reporting through, there'd be one word for this and only one honest descriptive word for this, not just inflation, hyperinflation. Here's NBC News trying to soften the blow of finally having to tell you this. Remember, I was the one who warned about this this summer, back when the talking heads were telling you this was only transitory. I said, no, 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 it would be double digits. And I even supported why. Here's NBC News breaking the bad news the other day when it can't be hidden anymore. Food prices are continuing to increase into 2022. They are forecast to rise 5% in the first half of 2022. That's according to research firm IRI. Oreo maker Mondelez said it's increasing prices by 6 to 7%. General Mills and Campbell Soup prices are also increasing. The Wall Street Journal reports Kraft Heinz told retailers it's raising prices up to 20%. So 5 to 20% price increase coming in the next five months. Keep in mind, that's on top of the Labor Department's 6.8% consumer price index increase. These numbers are staggering. They represent something like 7 to 30% increases when you put it year over year. In other words, we've seen something like a 7 to 30% increase over the last year and a half. How much do prices go up in a typical year? 
Eh, somewhere between 1.2% and it tops too. You can see how staggering this is. And you can see how a working class family who usually spends $200 to $300 a week on groceries is already getting hammered right now at the gas pump at the grocery store. Well, go and go ahead and add another 50 bucks on top of that each week. Now think economy-wide, because these same price increases on food won't just hit at the grocery store. They'll also hit restaurants, industrial food supply companies like Cisco. Food away from home, basically, will increase in price because the food supplies are all experiencing dramatic price increases. That, again, we warned about. But there's no break in store. They're now admitting this inflation will go to the end of 2023, possibly early into 2024. But remember... I told you what they're not telling you is how much you're beginning to get a picture of that five to 20 percent in the first five to six months of 2022. Will it be like that the second six months? In other words, will the rate remain the same? For instance, the second six months of the year, will there be another five to 20 percent increase in food or yeah, notice nobody's saying and that's a problem. Why aren't they saying, oh, if Trump was in office, this would be all anybody was talking about. And we'd have the correct predictions because they have them. They know in inflationary numbers for the whole year of 2022, as it is, they expect to deliver it to us at the last moment when people can't prepare because they're just evil. On that note, it's on to insane thing number three. And I never would have thought years ago that this would be good news, but it is. The flu's coming back this year, and that's a great sign. What does it mean? It means they're going to stop fudging the COVID numbers, exaggerating them to make COVID look like a much bigger, scarier thing than it is. By my account, about 70% of the COVID deaths are fake. Put in a test, a PCR test that is being recalled effective December 31st. We only have one more day of this damn thing. It has carries 70 to 90 percent false positives so that test is being the the emergency authorization for it is being taken away by the cdc and the fda effective the 31st of december they've put out demands for a new test we'll see how it works in january this test should be able to must be able to they say distinguish between the flu and covid It's the closest they've ever come to admitting the old test couldn't. But whatever the case, the new test, in order to receive FDA approval, the one you'll be able to buy the first week of January, unless the supply line shut down because they're having problems with it, will be able to distinguish between the the flu and COVID. So expect a downward plunge in fake COVID cases that were really the flu. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. There. I said it. How absurd is this? Total decline in the flu? (laughs) Well, between October 1st, 2019, so before COVID, and April 4th, 2020, before the PCR test really took hold, we had 39 to 56 million flu illnesses, 410,000 to 740,000 hospitalizations, and 24,000 to 62,000 deaths, according to the CDC. Now, between October 1st, 2020, with the new fake PCR test firmly established, the one that returns massive false positives, and April 1st, 2021, <laughs> 1,675 flu cases. Wait, compared to what the year before? 39 million to 56 million. That's according to the CDC. How many hospitalizations we have last year from the flu? 224. How many did we have the year before? 410,000 to 740,000. How many deaths from the flu? The CDC doesn't even bother to try. They list it as unknown. How many deaths were there the year before? 24,000 to 62,000, according to the CDC. Oh, and here's the kicker. How many pediatric deaths? One. How many the year before? 195. Now, we were told, and we were lied to, that this was because of the miracle of everybody wearing masks, except most people weren't wearing masks in my state. They haven't been in a year. But the flu still isn't spreading. When you walk around here in South Carolina, it's like COVID's not happening. You see the occasional sweet little old lady in a mask, but that's it. She's the rarity. People turn their heads and look at her. It's not normal here. Yet somehow the flu hasn't made a comeback in this state. It's because of the tests. And that is a huge story. Baylor medical school, like many others. And by the way, it's interesting you can Google this right now. Uh, search around on the internet for it. Look for um, you know what to expect, 2022 flu season, that sort of thing. You'll find some version, and the mainstream media is writing this too, of what Baylor College of Medicine wrote. Expect it's coming back. Oh yeah, big up tip, man. Ten, tens of thousands of cases are coming. Uh-huh. And how do they know? easy because people who know but are afraid to say understand that it was the it was the pcr test returning pulse positives dubbing the flu as covid and everything else too and that that will stop effective december 31st when the new test has to distinguish per fda guidelines between the flu and covid or it's not authorized for emergency use it's going to be a neat little trick the flu will come back COVID will decline, and, well, it's always been fake, much of it from the beginning anyway. Yes, COVID is real. Yes, it kills. It's killed people, but not nearly as many as they've told you. Not even close. Which gets us to the other insane thing this week, insane thing number five. I covered this in an earlier podcast, but I'm going to hit it again for those of you who only listen to the Friday podcast because it is so staggering. The admission by the UK Telegraph, and I can't believe they admitted this, that 70% of London's COVID hospitalizations were diagnosed after the patient had already been admitted for other ailments. In other words, they weren't admitted because of COVID. 
And the Telegraph could have stopped there, but they didn't. They went on to explain that the people, in most cases, likely caught the COVID at the hospital where they were for something else. In other words, the COVID deaths is a mirage. It's a haze. And it's going on here, too. Here's what Telegraph journalist Alison Pearson tweeted. Quote, astonishing fact. 70% of London's so-called COVID hospitalizations are diagnosed several days after admission for other ailments. They are not COVID patients, she writes. A positive test eight days after admission means the hospital basically gave the patient COVID. In other words, they're putting it together. Now, the Telegraph is the equivalent of the New York Times for the UK. They're putting it together and they're pissed. She writes, they are not COVID patients. In other words, she's figuring it out. She's figuring out the statistical hose job that was COVID. That about 70% of these deaths ain't. They're not. Combined, the faulty PCR test that the FDA has recalled as of 1231 this year, so tomorrow, uh, with the fact that they lied about the COVID deaths. These were people who came into the hospital for something else and COVID hospitalizations, too. They lied about those as well and were coded COVID as soon as they could get a positive test. Ask Elon Musk. He took the same COVID test in the same facility with the same nurse on a single day. Four times, he got two positive tests and two negative tests. Let me assure you, it works the same way in the hospital. They just test you until they get a positive test. And when you die, because God forbid you're there for stage four cancer, you're a COVID death. It's a miracle. And we shut your city down, giving the government unlimited power. And the Telegraph just admitted it. This is the most encouraging sign I've seen for a long time, especially since Pearson, who wrote the article, went a step further on Twitter, saying, quote, it's time for humanity to prevail over the scientists. In other words, what the mainstream media, liberal-leaning Telegraph is saying is, they lied to us, and we need to rebel against them. Amen. But they didn't dare to go take the obvious next step. If 70% of the COVID hospitalizations right now in the UK aren't really. They were hospitalized for something else and likely caught COVID in the hospital. Then has it been that way all along? How fake are these COVID numbers that have driven shutdowns and government grabs for power? Now that would have been a really brave thing to ask. Speaking of really brave people, J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter author, comes to mind. She's single-handedly fought back against woke culture, specifically the woke culture that dictates that you will be canceled and your life destroyed if you refuse to pretend that there are more than two genders, that individuals are ultimately born male or female. This is insane thing number five, but this week insane thing number five is composed of so many things, so many little signs that are Amer- that Americans are not just rejecting woke culture, but they are increasingly horrified by it. The first real sign we saw, and, and honestly, this would be one of the most insane things from this past year, was the defeat of Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, right? Staunch liberal, a state Joe Biden won by more than 11 points. And yet Republican Glenn Youngkin wins. Why? A rejection of woke culture in various forms in the schools. And the win was stunning because of who gave it to him. Suburban women. Suburban women swung a shocking 15 percentage points away from Joe Biden, the Democrats, and toward the Republicans in that race. And ultimately, woke culture drove it. It was a shock to the world and the country because it was the first time woke culture was defeated 
at the polls. But there are little signs everywhere, every week, I could do a whole podcast on them, that woke culture is becoming so toxic, the middle, and a lot of the left are rejecting it. Wait, what? Yes. Which brings us back to Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling. The Guardian, the left-wing Guardian newspaper, uh, it's one of the three big dailies in the UK, it's the most left-leaning of them all, conducts an online poll every year for a person of the year. They had to shut it down, turn it off, end it, before it was supposed to be over. Why? Because of who took the lead, J.K. Rowling. In the Liberal Guardian's poll, as she pulled ahead, they shut it down and stopped the voting. The only thing J.K. Rowling's done this year to distinguish herself, aside from breaking in a ton of money on residuals, is to go to war with the woke-topia, insisting that men can't be women and women can't be men. Not really. Not biologically. She refuses to say otherwise. They continue to try to destroy her. It's not just the readers of The Guardian that are doing this, thinking this. An astonishing poll this week showed just how off-track the purveyors of woke gender culture are. The poll by Rasmussen showed that a shocking 75% of Americans agreed there are only two genders, male and female. Thus, that's obvious. But to the woke, no. If woke culture were truly making inroads, these numbers would say otherwise. They don't. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. But here's the shocking part. Majorities across the board agree. 92% of Republicans, no surprise there, but 61% of Democrats and 73% of Independents believe male and female are the only two genders. And you can't switch back and forth. Not really. Another question in the same survey was pretty illuminating. Do you agree with J.K. Rowling or is it hate speech to say there's only two genders? Overall, 58% said they agree with Rowling, while only 17%, which is exactly, almost exactly the percentage of people who identify as very liberal, said they consider it to be hate speech. This, as transgender individuals erase real women's records, both in swimming, as we saw this week. By the way, the New York Times, Washington Post barely covered that. There's a reason for that, because they know from polling, it's not good for the Democrats. Bottom line, virtually every indication out there is that Americans are in a whole-scale rebellion against woke culture, starting with eye-popping numbers of people moving out of California. Which brings us to our final insane thing, number six. Something that's never happened before in U.S. recorded history. The latest estimate confirms California's once seemingly boundless population growth has ended. But not only that, for the first time ever, Los Angeles County and the nine counties surrounding the San Francisco Bay simultaneously lost population in the same year. That has never happened before. Together, those two areas account for more than 44% of the state's nearly 40 million residents and some of the most expensive housing in the nation. They're running. In fact, 
1% of California's population moved out of the state in 2021, the most of any state, whether compared in real numbers or as population percentages. People are fleeing wokeness and the vast violent criminal destruction that inevitably follows it. But here's what's interesting, what they're fleeing to. In 2021, 20 states in the District of Columbia lost residents via net domestic migration. The largest domestic migration losses were California, New York, and Illinois. What's more, people do not want to live in a totalitarian regime of any kind, apparently, because blue states that repeatedly enforced mass mandates, vaccine requirements, and lockdowns over the past year lost population to red states that eliminated those policies. Meanwhile, the states that experienced the most inward-bound growth, Florida, Texas, and Arizona. On top of that, Breitbart reports, 10 states and territories with the most population decline between July 2020 and July 2021, of those 10, eight are run by either Democrat legislatures or Democrat governors or both. Of the top 10 states with the most population growth in the last year, nine are run by Republican governors and Republican majority legislators. Which leads me to make these two predictions for the end of the year, because this is the last Insane Things podcast of the year. The big story of the next year will be inflation and the economic destruction it wreaks. Not just inflation, though hyperinflation. It'll be the year of hyperinflation. But the big story of the coming decade will be the great American divorce. A civil war of sorts fought this time not with muskets, but with another weapon, the moving van. America will see the greatest mass migration of people ever recorded in her entire history, both in raw numbers and as a percentage of the population. Count on it. Bank on it. If you understand real estate, invest in it. It's already begun, and wokeness will drive it. People simply can't live with it. This rolling of the moving vans will be an irritated process. Nobody wants to pack up everything they own and go, but it'll be a necessary one to avoid the only other remedy for this situation, for this country with two absolutely distinct cultures, and that is violence. People clearly want to try the moving van first, and they will in ever-increasing numbers, as the Democrats simply can't help but bow to their base. They just can't get out of primaries without it. They're not going to be able to turn off this woke culture. That's a cancer to them. And so the moving bands will roll. It'll be a decade like no other. And you'll see the beginnings of it this year. Finally, make this your New Year's resolution. Subscribe to the Battleground America podcast. That way, we can always pop it right onto your phone. And the easiest way to do that is to download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey app, and subscribe right there to the Battleground America podcast. That way, you'll always have it as soon as I publish it. Have a wonderful new year. with Tara Servatius. Please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share with friends, family, and other free thinkers. Thanks for listening. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.